So it's Parashat Lech Lecha, the parasha of going forth to new places. And I want to talk about, as Rabbi Abraham Isaac Cook said, making the old new and the new holy. One of the Jewish experiences that transformed my life was my participation in the Institute for Contemporary Midrash, or ICM. Midrash is the ancient Jewish genre of creative literature that interprets the Bible. It's a wild and fantastic ride through all the empty spaces uh, in the Torah and all the things that our tradition has imagined about the, uh, those empty spaces. And ICM was founded by Rivka Walton to, many years ago to invite um, contemporary people to create their own midrash, their own artistic interpretations of sacred text. And every summer, artists would gather to paint and write and act and dance and recreate the narratives of the Torah. And those retreats changed my life for a number of reasons. They changed my life because I met my spouse, Shoshana, there. <laughs> so that was good. But uh, <laughs> they also changed my life because I had the opportunity to be part of this ancient tradition of entering the text and looking to see what else might be there. I was already writing poetry and stories about the Bible. Some of us uh, Jewish artists are compelled to do that. You know, you're just sort of compelled to fall into and say, wait, there's a spot there that nobody said anything about. That one's mine. So I was already doing some of that, but to do it in community was revelatory. And I'm not alone in this passion. There are still lots of places everywhere from the Academy for Jewish Religion where I teach to art kibbutz to all kinds of places where you can do this, can be part of this midrashic tradition. One of the practices of ICM was called bibliodrama. Anybody here been in a bibliodrama? Okay, so some of you. So bibliodrama is a spontaneous dramatic practice where there's a director and there's you. And uh, the director spontaneously invites participants to step into the biblical text and speak about it. Speak in it, not about it, speak in it. Um, and so there's no script and there's no rules about what you get to say. Right, you are in Abraham's shoes or Sarah's sandals, you know, or the ram's hooves. And you, know, you are there and you speak in whatever way comes to you about that scene. And this is really eye-opening and not always easy. You know, sometimes you're Eve picking the fruit of the, you know, the tree of knowledge, and sometimes you're Moses and you can't go into the promised land. You know? So it brings up a lot of stuff, but it's wonderful and human. And during those years, I was part of lots of bibliodramas. I watched Miriam face her death, and I became Yocheved as she was reunited with the baby Moses on the banks of the Nile. That one made me cry. And I want to tell you, because we're here in this parasha of Lech Lecha, about a particular moment. So Peter Pitsley, who was one of the originators of bibliodrama and a great master at it, once sculpted this wonderful scene at the beginning of this parasha. And he has Avraham you know, set out right, with Sarai on this road to this new land of Canaan. And then Peter pointed out to us that if you look in the previous verse, right, it says that his father Terach died in the land of Haran.
But if you add up all the ages of the ancestors of Avraham and the genealogy, you will see that actually when Avraham left to, to go to the new land, when God called him, his father was still alive. The traditional Midrash says the text doesn't want to tell us because they don't want to show us that Avraham right, left his poor aging parents. But not only that, his grandfather is still alive. His great-grandfather is still alive. His great-great-grandfather is still alive. Right? This is back when people lived for 400 years. <laughs> <laughs> so Peter sculpted the scene in which Avraham and Sarai turn around to say goodbye, and there are 10 ancestors, 10 generations, you know, saying bye. So imagine that. Imagine leaving 10 generations of your family. Avraham was the kid who married late, right, who didn't leave home, and now he's leaving this, you know, this massive heritage to go, to follow this call away from this ancestral gravity well. So lech lecha, to go forth, is to see something in front of you that draws you even more than what is behind. There's a tradition based on um, a particular biblical text that says that Sarai had two names. One of her names was Yiska, which means vision, to see. And the Midrash says this indicates her prophetic gift. And I think it also indicates something about this parasha, that there's something, right, when Avraham hears this call go forth, he's able to see something that he can go toward that's even stronger than what he sees behind, and maybe for Sarai as well. And as they begin to travel, what's very interesting is when you imagine this great journey, you think it's like two points on a line, right? I'm here and I'm gonna go there. But that's not how it works. They arrive in Canaan. Avram built his, builds his first altar. And you think this is the altar, right? This is going to be the temple. He's arrived in the promised land. They build the altar, and the next thing, they leave. They go somewhere else. They build another altar. And this repeats over and over again. So there isn't one moment of break with the past. The second they build the new holy place, they have to leave it and go somewhere else. And if I could sculpt the bibliodrama and ask these altars to speak, I wonder what they would say about those moments of departure, right, that each one would be different. An altar, a mizbeach, is a table of stones. But it's also a way of saying, here is a meeting place between God and the world. At the Kohenet Institute, which is a women's program I facilitate um, at the Isabella Friedman Jewish Retreat Center, we have this practice from Genesis of building altars, you know, often out of things that are significant in our lives. And the and Shabbat table right, has the same function. right? You put candles and bread and wine on a table, and it becomes a place where we say, now we're going to have the meeting. Right? This is the encounter. Now we're going to be here. We're going to be with the Spirit. We're going to be with the One. But the altar has to move. You can't build one altar. Right? If you build one altar, you become stationary, it becomes frozen. So Avraham is, and Sarai in their journey are teaching us, you have to keep moving the altar. 
And strangely enough, in contemplating this moving of the altar, that they're always building a new place, this put me in mind of the Pew Study. <laughs> Which, uh, for those of you who may not know what that is, is a recent demographic survey of the Jewish community about which many people are concerned. Um, there's a lot of worry about the Pew Study because it shows, uh, it may show, that traditional markers of Jewish identity um, are shifting very far from where they once were. Traditional ways that Jews behave or talk about what they do right, in the United States are radically shifting. The Pew study could also show that Jewish researchers have less and less idea of even what constitutes a marker of Jewish identity. I don't know what the Pew study would think of you. I know they couldn't make any sense of me. <laughs> you try to explain a Jewish girl with a shul and an altar. <laughs> so some of the Pew study findings might actually be scary for those of us who have found Jewish institutional life meaningful. And some of the findings, as Rabbi David has expressed so eloquently, show us about the need to make spirit the focus of our community. What the findings might mean to me is that it's time to move the altar. Right? When we come to a place where we see that there's, we, we, we have the sense that there's a break with the past, it's when we do what our ancestors did in those moments. Right? We pick up, we go looking for the next place, right? the next place of connection. And maybe we bring, you know, maybe we use some of the old stones. Right? But we need to move the altar, to see it from a different place, to make it new. We can't be always looking at a snapshot of the past. And that's what Peter Pitsley's bibliodrama with all those ancestors showed me. What it meant for Avraham and Sarah to walk into the future with all those eyes watching them go. All those magnetic glances to walk anyway. It's hard to tear yourself away from the past. It's true for us as individuals, as we all know. And it's true for us as a collective. But if we're too conscious of all those generations watching us, that could become a moment of paralysis. What they need most from us is for us to do what they did. Lech lecha to keep going, to go deeply and truly into and beyond ourselves. And perhaps that's why our story, the story that begins with Avraham and Sarah, begins not with place, but with journey. I was just at an amazing, biblically-based musical, an amazing new midrash. It's called Tamar of the River. You all have to go and see it. It's at, it's at the NYU something or other, but go online and Google Tamar of the River. It's wonderful. Uh, the music was composed by uh, Marissa Mitchelson, who's uh, a, a member here. I don't know if she's here. Marissa, are you here? She's not here tonight, but she's a member, and, and the music is being raved about. It is terrific. It's almost like an opera. And in this play, Tamar, who's a biblical character, like Avraham, receives a prophecy. And she sets out to fulfill this prophecy, 
but all the circumstances keep shifting and her relationships with all the people keep shifting. And as she tries to fulfill her mission, she becomes lost. And things become confusing and scary. And she ceases to hear the divine word. And she only begins to hear it again when she goes out into the wilderness. And only when she's willing to move off her identity as the one who was called and back into spontaneous response to the divine voice. So in the play, Tamar's Lech Lecha, her going forth has to happen not once, but again and again and again. And in Genesis, that's true for Abraham and Sarah. And in our time, it's true for us. So I wish you good journeys and good resting. Shabbat Shalom.